in a world where millennials have no idea what the f they're doing with their lives. What's with millennials podcasts? My intro. Don't laugh at my intro. <laughs> do, do I laugh at your creative projects? <laughs> no, I mean, this is great. <laughs> One day, a group of concerned citizens got together to conduct an experiment. They wondered, what would happen if you mixed together smartphones, mocha frappuccinos, and college debts? When all was said and done, this is what they got. Three, two, one. podcast where we talk about pop culture tech and media i'm your host diadonna sitting here with special guest axa sacramento hall of famer donna wilberg (laughs) (laughs) wow i just feel like i've been on the e-ride at disneyland that (laughs) intro that was that was fabulous thank you thank you well uh, you want to try we like to have fun here um but yes Donna, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Really appreciate it. You have always been lovely. Um, first of all, um, I'm going to ask you a little bit about some of the greatness that just happened that okay. you that that was bestowed upon you and that you bestowed upon the world. Um, but I want to tell the listeners a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about you know advice on how to break into film. Um, should uh, race bending actor roles uh, exist? Are sequels hindering creativity? If remakes are helping or harming Hollywood, um, my personal top five violent movies of all time and answer some listener mail and discuss our main topic, which is violence versus art in film. Wow. Are you ready for this? I am ready for this. Perfect. Um, so first we always talk about how everyone's week is going on. Um, so first I would like to know about your week. How has your week been going, Donna? My week has been fabulous. I got to spend time with my grandkids and my daughter and got caught up on some things because I just got back from a, an amazing trip. I saw some of that. Right? I yeah. was in Rome and oh my gosh. Uh, you know, all over Italy for like a month. And how was that? Ooh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we, are, we are so uh, primitive compared to the Europeans. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a way to live. Why is that? I don't know. I, I I think it's because they've got all this history behind them, and they, they've they've been doing it for longer than we have. Mm-hmm. So you know they're better at it. I think. Okay. Yeah. I I've never personally been to like Europe or like that side of you know the the globe. I guess you would say. Um, but I heard that they have really 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 bomb food, and that just interests me <laughs> in in the greatest of ways. <laughs> you know what? Not only do they have bomb food. But they've got everywhere you look, you know, in most countries, there is so much history going on. Mm-hmm. You know, you can walk around the corner and boom, there's a castle. It's like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> how long has that been there? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 just uh, every country I've been to has been so unique and just lovely, lovely to visit. Oh, that's so, awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, How about your week? Yeah, my week um, My week has been engaging. Um, I actually just bought – this is how engaging my week is. This is how I spend my free time. I, I, I bought a movie. That's what I was going to talk about about my week. I bought a movie, um, Toy Story 4. Um, I don't know if you've seen the newest Toy no, Story I at haven't. all. Okay. Um, I'm a big movie buff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toy Story 4. And it's about you. Do you know about Toy Story? Well, I know the original. Yeah. Okay. Woody and yeah. Okay. Well, they made a new one. Toy Story 4 just came out on Blu-ray DVD and it reminded me of what it was like to be a kid again. And that was nice because I feel like I missed that. And I feel like a lot of people in my generation are always trying to be like, oh, well, how can I feel safe again? 
<laughs> Watch Toy Story. Watch Toy Story, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, I, w- I want to ask a little bit more about you. Um, now, can you tell us, you know, recently, the great thing that you just were inducted in? Can you talk a little bit about that greatness that you were just inducted in? Yes, I can. But first, I'd like to thank you for having me on the show. Oh, absolutely. Because you're a delight. I'm all right. And we'll talk about that later. Um, Okay, so I I got this surprise email from Gary Martin asking me all these questions. And he said, well, he said, we're starting a Hall of Fame this year for the 20th anniversary of Access in a place called Sacramento. And Mm -hmm. I'd like to to tell you that, you know, you're one of the three – that's going to be inducted. Well, actually, there was more than three. There was five of us, I believe, mm-hmm. all together. But um, two were filmmakers. One was the film commissioner, and then the two guys who started a place called Sacramento. So I oh, was wow. so honored. I, I still, you know, can't wrap my head around it. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel, you know, every time you get picked for doing a film, and, and you wait on pins and needles for, for a mm-hmm. few months to see whether your script got picked or not, and then, you know, then then chaos begins. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I thought about it. I, I have been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. And because it's so new to me, each time I do it, I forget, you know, that, <laughs> that I'm getting older. But, yeah, it's like, yeah, I have been doing it since 2000. I made, yeah. worked on my first film in 2008. So it was a real honor. Very, very big honor. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. fantastic. So, um would you, can you kind of go over, um, what do you do when it comes to filmmaking per se? Like what you specifically do after I go, Oh my God, what did I just do? (laughs) Um, after you freak out that you got picked Uh for, for, you know, writing the script and getting chosen, I think the first thing I do is, is put a team together. And I, and I think that is, is one of the most important parts of being successful and making a film Uh is having a really good team because there's so many things real quick uh sorry about that guys we didn't have the audio running i just found that out but the audio should be up and running now sorry about that audio is up and running now Anyway, sorry. Was I Continue. just moving my mouth? Um, no, because <laughs> I, if they're listening to the iTunes or Google, Google Play Music, it'll be playing there. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry. Anyway, continue. Okay, so one of the first things I do is I get a team together. And I usually, if I submit a script, I usually talk to people before I even do that to see whether mm-hmm. it's doable or not. Because I like to challenge myself, you know, with the scripts that I'm writing. Yeah. You know, we've had some pretty interesting things that we've done. And um, first I find if it's doable, then I find, you know, uh, put together a a really good team. And then from there, then, you know, we do the casting. And that's one of the key parts as well is finding finding the right person um, for the role. And I know you mentioned before you said something about um, racial Yes. Um, so like casting outside of an ethnicity that a character was originally. Okay. So when I, when I cast, mm-hmm. and this is me, I, you know, I don't know what everybody else does, but when I cast, if I find somebody, I don't care if they're purple, mm-hmm. if they move me with their performance, that's the person that I want to give the role to. And if it doesn't work for the story, if if the ethnicity mm-hmm. doesn't work necessarily for the dialogue, mm-hmm. we can change that. So, you know, if if I'm going for, you know, something, you know, that's meant for maybe a white person or, mm-hmm. or an oriental person or a black person, you know, if somebody else moves me, I'm changing it. I'm working around it. I'm working around it. Because to me, it's more important the person who's telling the story is authentic and brings a good performance than what color they are. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would definitely would agree with that, which is what makes you such a great person to work with in the Aww. film industry and why you deserve that Hall of Fame recognition. Aww, thank you. Um, now, what would you suggest to people who are interested in uh, trying to get into 
the film industry, like to that one person who's just trying to bust their way in? Well, Access Sacramento is a perfect launching pad. So if you're a writer, I would suggest that you submit a script. And if you're somebody who wants to work behind the camera or you want to do acting, show up for the cast and crew calls. Because, um, you know, that's where you're going to meet people and, and, you know, the possibility of getting yourself in a film is very likely. You know, there's, they're so diverse. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's usually something for everybody, even if it's just an extra, extra role, you know, you get to hang out with people and, and see what it takes to make a film. So that's pretty cool. And then, you know, as people get to know you, you were an extra in my film, you know, you're going to try out for the lead, you know, because let's face it, they're limited. You know, each filmmaker is limited on how many lead roles they can have. So, um, Usually, you know, there's not room for everybody, but, you know, chances of getting in a film are pretty darn good. So you got to make do with what you got. Right. Exactly. So guys, let us know what you think. Do you guys have any suggestions? Write us at wwmpodcast at gmail.com. So continuing on, we're going to get started with our next segment, which is called news. Jeremy, hit it. Right, and first in news, um, a new Catwoman has been cast for the new Batman movie. Have you heard about the Batman movie at all? Is that no? But I saw there's a new um, Batwoman. Catwoman. Catwoman. Yep, that's what this news is. That's what oh, this news wow. is. Um, okay. So there's a new Catwoman, and um, she's been cast, and it's for the new Batman movie that will be coming out. And it's going to be played by Zoe Kravitz. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Zoe Kravitz is an African-American woman. So it's kind of funny that we're talking about race bending in, you know, in, in um, act, acting. Um, because typically, um, Catwoman is a Caucasian lady. Um, and you kind of already gave me your thoughts about, about you know, typecasting outside of that. But there are people who are offended by that. Um can, do you know why people might be offended with with um, non-traditional casting? Okay, you know, I actually was talking about that the other night. Mm-hmm. I was a little surprised at how they changed mm-hmm. Catwoman. And I think, you know, for people that are, are of my age, that grew up with Catwoman, it's like any time they changed her, it was like, wait a minute, that's our Catwoman, <laughs> you know? And let's face it, you know, these actors don't live forever, but yeah. but you have this image in, inside your head, and, and, you know, it's been a consistent character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe the hair color's a little different, mm-hmm. or the face is a little different, but most for the most part, it's like Wonder Woman. They look just about like the comic strip. Yeah. So yeah. that, I think, is more startling that she doesn't look like the comic strip then what color she is i can see that so like where they don't have like all of like the costume like changes and it looks like drastically different um i i think i'm on the same side of you of like using other races for um for for different types of characters Mm -hmm. i think that i could sort of relate in a way though to some people who are like oh wait this is my my like my property like this is mine this is part <laughs> my of Catwoman. this is my cat woman <laughs> um i think the way that i could try to at least make it make sense in my head or relate to it is like when they did a new james bond mm-hmm. and it was daniel craig and people got upset they was like wait a minute he's blind exactly exactly <laughs> why do we have a blonde james bond like this and it was like upsetting people mm-hmm. same thing with you know bring it back to like a less broad difference but like when um uh ben affleck was casted as batman and people were like wait this is not my batman this right but we just had dude like five years ago was batman this isn't my batman um quit changing batman (laughs) and they just changed him again um but let us know in the comments write us at wwmpodcast at gmail.com let us know what you guys think about changing uh 
race bending actors for roles. Uh, let us know what you think about that. But next in news, we have Frozen 2 is tracking to open with double the amount that Frozen 1 did. Oh my goodness. And Frozen 1 just made all the money. Wow. <laughs> it made all the money that ever existed. Um, projections suggest that Frozen 2 will open between 115, 115 to $145 million. Wow. Um, to give people a concept of that, that is basically opening in between Sam Raimi's original Spider-Man and Star Wars Episode 2. Um, now, do you know about Frozen? I do. My daughter actually looks like Elsa. She gets <laughs> she gets mistaken for Elsa all the time. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, little kids go, oh, Mom, there's Elsa. You know? <laughs> that's awesome. Now, why do you think that Frozen was so popular, or, and still is so popular? You know... It appeals. It appeals to a very formative age hmm. of females. Ooh, okay. Why, why is that? I, I think it's because Ilsa is, is just a very strong role model for, for little girls, and um, the story is very sweet. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, who doesn't love a sweet story? <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely right. Yeah. That's something to think about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's a testament to the fact that there's not that many strong female role models that's out there. Um, and the fact that Frozen breaks the stereotype of needing, like, a male person to save mm-hmm. you, that they can be their own heroes, that it's not about love of, of, of having some your love come and save you. It's about love between sisters. Right. Um, and I respect that about frozen at least. Um, but, uh, do you think that sequels in themselves though, can hinder like the creative process? Like if frozen two was invested in, could they have made something else that possibly could have been better? Is, 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 do you think it hinders the creative process? Well, you know, being that I write series, Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you get your first book out there and you're so proud of your story and it's really a big hit. But there's still more in there, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And if you can write a story that's a follow-up that is just as powerful, if not more, and usually it, there is more, mm-hmm. um, you know, more power to you. I like sequels. I really do. I um it's going to be interesting to see how much they can pull out of there, but I think you know changing the storyline with the same characters can definitely work for for any any genre, you okay. know, whether it's film, books, whatever. So, so do you Marriages? think? Jeez, <laughs> oh, I'm just saying. So you think that it's it's worth it as long as there's still some of the story? Exactly, that's exactly. You know? Okay, so let us know, guys. What do you think? Write us at wwmpodcast at gmail Let us know if you feel that that you know making a sequel is worth it. That it's not pulling away from the creative process. Write us, let us know about that. And uh, last in news, what we have is the trailer for The Lady and the Tramp live action was released. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't. Yes, they are making a live action Lady and the Tramp. Um, now, this, I saw it. Yeah. Absolutely adorable. <laughs> like It is so cute. Like, I can't really be mad at it. Um, but it's releasing on uh, Disney+. Plus. Have you heard of heard about that the streaming service that disney's coming out with no i'm way in the dark here (laughs) so disney is coming out with its own streaming service that's Mm -hmm. on the lines of like netflix and hulu um so subscription-based service that allows you to see um unlimited amounts of movies that's in their cache of stuff that they have released um for one price a month um and people are you know Deservedly so excited about that because Disney has a catalog of ridiculous movies. They're not releasing all their movies on the catalog, unfortunately, but they have a large, awesome mm-hmm. catalog. Um, but something that I wanted to ask you, um, being being you know involved with film so heavily, um, are remakes harming film in, in the long run? And what I mean by remakes is like not only does Disney make a lot of remakes. Um, but like remakes in general, they remake RoboCop, they remade, uh, Lion King, they remade Dumbo, they remade all these movies. Do you feel that? 
You know, I, I think they're preserving something by remaking the films to fit the current um, population of that age group. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think when they remake some of the old movies, like you said, Lady and the Tramp, they're preserving that innocence from when we were kids. And I'm talking, this is back from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I grew up with Lady and the Tramp. You get to grow up with Lady in the Tramp. Your kids will get to grow up with Lady in the Tramp. How sweet is that? Do I never I, thought about that. <laughs> okay. Well, that's looking at it with the cup half full. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you know, sometimes it's it's just like, oh, God, not another Batman movie. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> they keep changing them. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, there is there is a preservation there. I don't know about Robocop so much, uh-huh. but, you know, them boys. Boys love Robocop, so, yeah. you know, there's something to it. I think they, they do they do well. That's another reason why they do the yes. remakes is the box office says it all. Yeah, so I don't mm-hmm. know if a lot of people realize, but this is Disney's most successful year for making movies. They and it, the majority of them are off of remakes or like reboots. Mm-hmm. So Star Wars, uh, all the live action remakes of their cartoons, Lion King, Aladdin did fantastic. Be- uh, Beauty and the Beast. I don't think that was this year though. Um, but yeah, the, the, this has been successful for Disney. So if people are out there like wondering, like, oh, I don't know if they're gonna keep making these remakes. They gonna keep making these remakes because it's making them so much money. Right. Um, but the real question is. What do you guys think? Do you think that remakes are worth it? Do you think that we should be making so many of them? Should they be this successful? Write us at wwmpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. Um, But yes, let's finally get started with the actual topic. I feel like we've been dilly-dallying this whole time. Enough. Enough with the (laughs) diddle-daddling. Let's go ahead and get started with that. Um, Once again, our topic is going to be um, violence versus art and film. Um, but before we get started with that, we're going to get started with the next segment, which is if you've been living under a rock with announcer man, get ready for this. In a world where people are easily outraged about meanings and purposes behind films, the Joker tests the boundaries by being provocative and raising eyebrows. But, but should violence be done more tastefully, or should art speak for itself? This has been If You've Been Living Under a Rock. All right, so Donna. Oh my God, that was so cool. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. See, that's what I've been trying to tell people about this show. Donna, yes. you being the professional that you are with the experience that you have, I want to hear your first impressions. Can violence be art and film? You know, being that I am a writer of violence, um, I, I look at it with a different perspective than probably the next person. I think you being a writer is a perspective that we need to understand. I think that people who are drawn to violence and um, there's there's something in our, our psyche that needs resolution. And sometimes that resolution comes from watching something that has has some happy ending to it Mm -hmm. you know like the bad guy gets caught the get bad guy goes to jail you know he killed five people Mm -hmm. you know and you know the protagonist is going to get him and this guy's going down Mm -hmm. you know we need that because in our own life sometimes we don't feel like we're in control of these things but when you watch it on a screen you know that there's going to be some resolution, and that's a satisfying thing for most people. Is making sure that you have an ending to your story. Right. Now, grata, you know, there, there's some violence that um, sometimes is just over the top, mm-hmm. unnecessary, you mm-hmm. know. 
and my phone's ringing. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I think sometimes it can be over, like, when it's to the point where it doesn't move the story forward, then to me it's just hype. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, grandioso, you know, that, that, um, that film, you know, spent a, a mega amount of dollars you know, on that car crash and, you know, the bus crashed and all those little kids died and all all their stuff. And it's like, was that really necessary? Mm -hmm. You know, but then there's people that go, oh, wow, that was so cool. You know, so it's, you know, it's, it's subjective. Mm -hmm. It really is subjective, but there's violence. Yes. Violence can be art. Mm -hmm. I think that there's ways of doing violence and sometimes it's, it can be very subtle. And still have more impact than something that's done in a grandiose way. Mm. And I think that's where the art comes in. How can I do this tastefully to make the most impression on the viewer without either spending the most money Mm -hmm. or making it bloody and gory and, and everything else? So... That's a good point. And, you know, it, it's crazy because there's a new outrage that's going on right now with the Joker movie that's mm-hmm. just come out. Um, have you heard about the Joker movie I've, at all? I've seen I've seen the, the trailers for it. It's mm-hmm. pretty – see, I like that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I like it too. I know. I grew um, up on, you know, horror films, so – no, I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I actually will give a, a movie review about it later on tonight. Um, but – um, I, it's crazy because I personally work at a movie theater myself. I'm an assistant manager at a movie mm. theater and there were special precautions that we had to take for this movie specifically because oh, wow. some in, in, because there was a terrorist attack, not that happened here, but that happened in a city when the dark Knight, the Batman movie mm-hmm. came out where a guy came into a movie theater and shot people dressed up as a Joker. So a lot of people were seeing this signifying, um, you know, like condoning violence, um, that they're benefiting, um, you know, hurting other people, um, because the main protagonist in the new Joker movie was the Joker. And I didn't see it as that. Um, I didn't feel like that was accurate at all. Um, I think people were taking it a a lot too literal. And I'll explain a little bit more about that when I get into my Joker review, and it'll be a non-spoiler review, mm-hmm. sorry, in case you okay. still want to see it. Okay. But um, but anyway, um, I, I guess that I, me thinking that people are upset by art, I really want to know what that says about society. You know what? Let's go back to Ilsa. You know, how mm-hmm. many little girls walk around the house pretending they're Ilsa? You know, I I think that everybody has a need to identify with something. Mm -hmm. And you're always going to have sick people out there who are going to identify with somebody on the screen that is portrayed as a sick person Mm -hmm. as well. So, you know, how do you you keep that from happening? You know, you're going to have your your hero lovers as much as you're going to have your, you know, people who are drawn to the dark side. Mm -hmm. So this is the world we live in. You know, there's (laughs) the yin and the yang. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm one that's a firm believer that sometimes conflict creates change. Yeah. So, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, but the real question is, what do you guys think about that? Do you feel that violence can incite um, or inspire violence? Let us know. Write us at wwmpodcast at gmail.com, letting us know how you feel about that. But I guess that's a question I want to turn to you, too. Can, Can, if we believe that violent movies can be art can violent films inspire violence still i think that you know yes i'm i'm sure they do to some people mm-hmm. but to me what's more scary is is having somebody do a youtube um video on how to you know make a bomb that is pretty <laughs> scary right? the fact that that's there yeah do they does oh, youtube or have how precautions to put, how to build your own ak-47 they have that on YouTube? They do. They do. What? You can find just about anything. <laughs> and is it violent? No. It's actually a person sitting there teaching you how to make 
an AK-47. What? I'm going to have to YouTube this now. Or I'm like how super... to make a pipe bomb or how to make a bomb. There are videos out there that do that. And so what's the difference? What's the that difference? is sickening. That is sickening. <laughs> that's there's crazy. A lot of, there's a lot of sick stuff that's on YouTube. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But we're not bashing them, are we? I am. Okay. We are now. <laughs> I am. We are now. <laughs> um, okay. So if we don't bash, if violence potentially can inspire violence, violent films can inspire violence, but usually those are just the crazy people. And we see violence in film as art. Um, whose responsibility is it to regulate art so then that they don't bring up like more crazy people that are over here building at home pipe bombs and harming well, people you know like i said artists it's very subjective you know what one person views as very violent another person may think well you know it's all really kind of make-believe we're not we're not really doing any harm here except that we're telling a story hmm. that has violence in it you know so it depends on how you view it and um i have to say that everything has a vibration and some people are going to pick up on things differently than others. And yeah. if you're inspired by someone who is out there killing people or someone who's out there causing harm in any way, then you need to, you know, evaluate what's going on in your head, yeah. you know? Yeah, get they a have, shrink. <laughs> right. They, they have, what is that... Uh, where you can call on the phone now and get counseling. I think that's super that they finally come. Good help. I good think, help? Good help. They advertise it on the radio. I think that's what it is. Yeah, you can call up and make an appointment with us, with a counselor, therapist on the what? phone. What? Yeah. For free? I think there's a cost to it. What's, the, it, what's their number so I, I can... <laughs> I, I know I should I should know the name of this. I said, um, you know, for me, for me, <laughs> for, to help me. <laughs> right. So you know, I think there there uh, when we recognize that there is a mental health issue out there, yeah, you're always going to have you're always going to have problems. But mm -hmm. that dates back, you know, to films that weren't that violent. You know, they're going to attach themselves to something if there's they, if they need to. If so. they need to to make that doubt. Right. There you go. We got <laughs> Now, speaking of violent movies, mm -hmm. we finally got to my list of my top five violent movies. Okay. In no particular order. They're just whatever order. Okay. And you could tell me, as you, with your experience in film, you could tell me if these are bad choices. Hopefully, they're okay. <laughs> All right. So, once again, no particular order. But number one, Scarface. I love Scarface. I love you, violent person. How dare you? <laughs> that was, that was a, you know, yeah, that was based on truth. Yeah. So how can you say that the movie's violent, but what happened wasn't? So. That's something else that would be interesting. So, like, if something is based on a true story, should that allow it to be more vulgar or violent because it actually happened? You know what? I think we're becoming desensitized to a lot of stuff too. So yeah, you, you know, we're it. always up in our game. Yeah. <laughs> always <laughs> trying to push the buttons as much as we can, <laughs> and further that button pushing a little bit more every single time. Um, my number two for in my top five violent movies in no particular order: Hardcore Henry. Have you seen that? I haven't. Oh, if you want just the ridiculously, that's probably like the most violent out of everything on this list. But yeah, Hardcore Henry. And what's cool about that is that it's shot all in first-person perspective. Oh. It is a full-length movie shot in complete first-person perspective. Um, and it was interesting, and people thought it was going to revolutionize like filmmaking and stuff, which it really didn't, but still, there's no other movie that has kind of like done that. Um, but you should definitely see it. Well, you know, make sure you don't eat anything before you see it. <laughs> I'll put it on my list. <laughs> but when you get the chance and you're in the mood of something like, oh, I want like super just action sequences like throughout. Um, Hardcore Henry. All right. My number three on top five violent movies in no particular order. Kill Bill. Kill Bill. Kill Bill. That That's is a classic. Yes. I like to think so. And, you know, it's it's funny because when we're. We're over here talking about like violent movies, 
like Quentin Tarantino makes some of the most violentness mm-hmm. like movies like ever created like it, 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 where he has like blood pouring out unrealistically um but we really I guess it's because that's what people expect from his movies so it's kind of like a different criteria I don't know how do you feel about that well his movies are are interesting they've got a, a certain artistic value to them they're they're unique in that they're his movies mm-hmm. and he does cross the line every chance he gets yeah, every chance he gets. so <laughs> it's almost like oh here he goes crossing the line you know i don't take it personally mm-hmm. so you know the violence i just have to look at it as that's part of who he is and mm-hmm. that's part of the uniqueness of his filmmaking so that's true and yeah. now that i think about it i just realized i think kill bill is probably my favorite movie of his that he made yeah Kill Bill's my number one. All right. And then uh, number four on top five violent movies in no particular order, The Matrix. I love The Matrix. You know, I watched The Matrix in a script writing class. Oh, really? Over the summer. Mm -hmm. And I had forgotten how cool, (laughs) how cool that movie is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the... I guess I didn't even notice all the violence. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there is a lot. And See, we're desensitized. Yeah. So. Yeah, because like there's, there's whole sequences where they're going in slow motion where they he says, what do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. And right. And just a whole sequence <laughs> of guns. And then they go into like this this hallway and they just kill a bunch of innocent security guards like in slow motion, right? Bullets surreal. flying everywhere. Yeah. Is that what it is? Okay, so yeah, like, it's surreal. if you make a movie that's like sci-fi, borderline sci-fi, where they're doing stunts that like are unbelievable, does that make it a little bit like safer to like make a a, a violent movie that you think that'll be more um, publicly accepted? I think our brains kind of go in different directions when we're watching things, you know, mm-hmm. the way we process them. I think when you put it into slow motion, we go into a different, <laughs> to a different mode, you know, huh. a different part of our brain reacts to it and it kind of desensitizes the violence because you're seeing the blood splattering. It's like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> that's very artistic. How did they do that? You know, <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, something else kicks in. I really do. I don't think they do that deliberately, but then again, they might. I don't know. Oh, it's really bad. Let's slow it down. <laughs> you know? I'm going to try that the next time I make a violent movie. <laughs> Just slow it down and see if that helps. Yeah. Um, and then the last one on my top five violent movies in no particular order, number five, The Joker. Okay. This new Joker. So that should let you know of what my movie review is going to be like when we get to that. But so there's Dexter. I mean, Dexter's pretty violent, don't you think? I haven't seen Dexter. You haven't seen Dexter? I haven't seen Dexter. Oh, my God. He's chopping up bodies left oh. and right. <laughs> oh, God. But, but you know what? It's it's all about the character. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, okay. you know, the character versus the violence, you know? Because that sometimes, if the character is more important, his journey is more important than mm-hmm. what he's doing... Then it, you look at it a different different way. So, like, if there's not a good enough story to carry on the violence or incite the violence, and it's just violence for violence' sake, exactly. Then that's that's the wrong way to go about it. Right. If it's part of the that. story, you know, it's like gratuitous sex. You know, if it's part of the story, yeah, let's bring it on. But if it's just because, you know, it's to sell tickets to horny guys or girls whatever mm-hmm. you know then it's different i can see that i yeah. can definitely see that yeah. um but the real question is what do you guys think should we be selling tickets to horny guys and girls <laughs> write us at wwm podcast <laughs> at gmail.com um you're gonna get a lot of yeah right you should <laughs> <laughs> all right um let's go ahead and get started with our second to last segment which is called oh which is a game that we're going to play called Box It Out. 
You know the rules. We pick two random things, then decide what would win a boxing match. It's whimsy, nonsensical fun for the whole family. Are you ready for this? Yes. <laughs> In a boxing match between the Wizard of Oz versus E.T. Oh, oh, that's a tough one. Yes, it is. That's why we have. That's why we call it box it out. Oh man, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Why? Classic. Um, because there's more than one character that takes you on the journey. Okay. Yeah. By the way, this is our film edition. Oh. For you. So this is a special edition for you. Okay. All right. So Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz wins. Next, in a boxing match between Back to the Future versus Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Oh my gosh. Whoa, that was quick. Oh, <laughs> Jurassic Park. Okay, I why? Loved, well, just because the creativity. I mean, you know, Back to the Future was very innovative. And, yeah. you know, it was very cool. The characters were great. So, but there's Jurassic Park. You know, it's like imagining could that really, really happen? Yeah. You know, it's kind of cool. Um, plus, there was all that violence. <laughs> <laughs> all those people getting chomped on and stuff. That was good. That, yeah. was, that was a seat popper. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Jurassic Park wins in a boxing match between. Forrest Gump versus the Princess Bride. Ooh. Princess Bride. Really? Okay, I would have thought you went the other way. Okay, yeah. why? You know, because I thought there was a lot of value in Princess Bride. I the acting that. was great. I love the characters and, and just the, the the locations and stuff. And yeah, was, that's true. I love that. that. That is absolutely true. It was different. It was different. It was very different. Forrest Gump was different too, but uh, Princess Bride, they didn't, I don't think they really had, besides like a never ending story where people would start off reading a book right. and then like reading to each other. Yeah. So that, that was very different at the time. All right, so Princess Bride wins. Two more in a boxing match between Titanic versus Jaws. Oh. <laughs> well, Jaws. Jaws would win. <laughs> It would chomp the crap out of that boat. Do you know I wouldn't go in the water after seeing that movie? I swear. I still I still feel creepy going in any yeah. kind, of, kind of water that's got in the ocean and stuff. Apparently, yeah. that's a real thing. Like, that's a real yeah. fear. Yeah. And a lot it of it started. PTSD. Yeah. A lot of it started around the time of the release of that movie. But you still would think it would win then? You, you wouldn't know, be against it? Yeah. I. You know... There was a lot to be learned about that, about people, too. Also, The characters, you know, I mean, like, you have the, uh, was he the mayor that was, <clears throat> excuse me, he was in denial. You know, he was just out for the buck, and then you got the cop who's in a tough position. You know, he's trying to keep the peace and keep everybody happy. And then you've got um, Richard Dreyfus, who is just in his own little world, you know? <laughs> they were so diverse. And that was a seat popper. Gosh, I still, I still pop out of my seat and it's like, you know, anxiety plus. So you will still watch that? Yes. Even after that? Yes. Man, you are a trooper. <laughs> you are an honest to God trooper. All right, so Jaws wins. Last one. In a boxing match between Pulp Fiction versus the Shawshank Redemption. You know, Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. Very powerful movie. Yeah. Very powerful. I have not seen it. Oh, well, you must. I, I know. I haven't yeah. seen Pulp Fiction either. Please don't hate me. Well, I tried to watch Pulp Fiction and never no. really grabbed me. I don't know why. So maybe that's why Shawshank Redemption I've probably seen it a couple times. It is considered probably one of the best movies of all time. Yeah. 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 But that was our game. Ooh, that Thank was you fun. For, that was cool. You like that? I loved it. Yeah, it was fun. Try to make it topical and, you know, film edition like. <laughs> Try to do my best. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get started with our last segment, which is called Listener Mail. Wake the f up. <laughs> 
All right. And this one is from Janet. How's it going, Janet? Janet writes, I keep telling my boyfriend to help me with the chores and he'll say yes. But when I come back moments later, nine times out of 10, he still hasn't done it. Why do you guys have such a hard time listening? Janet. Wow. I'm going to leave that. I want your opinion on that first. What? Because you're, well, you're married, right? So, yes, okay. Years. So how do you, like, you have to understand guys if you've been in a marriage. Janet, for- you have not trained him properly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what would, gee, oh my gosh, this is going to turn to a whole different other podcast. <laughs> how do you train a guy? You to- don't. You don't. You okay. know what? I think there's a way of, of presenting things. You know, she's, she's, he's not hearing her. She needs to use a different voice. A different voice. Or huh, okay. either that or a frying pan. I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Let back us... to the violence. Oh, oh my. Yeah, God. back to the You are a violent <laughs> filmmaker. No. <laughs> um, okay, so how do you keep, how do you have your boyfriend listen? I would say the best way to get me to listen is to feed me. So if you're like, hey, come eat this over here, and I'm like, huh? And then like I'll leave the TV and then go to food, and then you can get my attention. I think that for at least for me. So like distract me. You gotta you, yeah. you gotta know how to distract me. Like, so I guess this pizza, honey. But first, <laughs> I just say Brian. <laughs> take out the trash. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, let us know what you guys think. Write us at wwmpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what is the best way to uh, to get your boyfriend or a significant other to listen. Um, but I think I think it's it's know how to distract them. I, I think. Um, and then this last one is from Rain. How's it going, Rain? I love that name. Right? Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. Right as rain. Right as rain. You hear that, Rain? And Rain writes, was there ever a moment where you thought about quitting? What stopped you? I'm assuming that means what stopped you from quitting? Are you asking me this question? No, that's what... Um, oh, she, that's her question? Yeah, so... That yeah. she would like answers to? That she would like answers to. So, once again, was there ever a moment where you, where you thought about quitting? What stopped you? Rain. Wow. Me personally... Um, I think about quitting all the time. What keeps me going is, um, this is, I have to stop and think this is part of my journey and sometimes it's not about me. And if I keep going, there might be other people that may benefit from what I'm doing. So I just have to keep, keep going on. Sometimes you have to know when to quit too, you know? How so? Well, you know, sometimes you might be trying to do something that really isn't meant to be done by you, you know? And, and when you get that feeling, trust your gut. You know, when your gut says enough is enough, stop, you need to do that. How do you know when to toe that line between, oh, I'm, I need to stop banging my head up against this wall because nothing's changing and being like, oh... I'm just giving up and I like, I'm not putting enough effort into this. How do you tiptoe that line? Well, you know, when something doesn't feel right anymore, there's a reason for that. You know, and sometimes it's, you know, time to call, call it quits. So simple as that. Yeah. I mean, unless, you know, you need to quit your job and provide for your family, you know, sometimes that's a little bit more difficult. But, I mean, if you're in a position where you can, it, it's not going to harm anybody by you stopping doing what you're doing, then, you know, there's other things to be done, right? doesn't mean you have to stop living. You just move on to something else. That may be the right thing for you. I can see that. Um, and then for how, to answer your question, Rain, on, on my behalf, of was there ever a moment where I thought about quitting and what stopped me? Um, there have been several moments when I thought about quitting film. There have been several moments when I thought about quitting podcasting. There have been several moments when I thought about um, quitting school and, you know, the several moments where I just thought about quitting a lot of things. And what prevented me from doing it, I guess, is what prevented me from quitting? 
being hard-headed. <laughs> <laughs> being ridiculously hard-headed. I don't know. I just find – I guess I, I find fun in what I do. And I know in my heart of hearts that it's what I want to do and what it's uh, I'm passionate about. So when it is something that I love so much, then I guess it's – even if I'm doing something else, then it's – I don't want to quit. Um, but there's plenty of times where I wanted to quit and did quit on stuff that was just like stupid. I'm just like, I'm, this is not benefiting me whatsoever. Or I'm just like, why am I doing this for no reason? Um, but I would say the things that typically stop me from quitting is, is belief in myself, loving what I do. I think that's, that's a perfect answer. So yeah. Yeah, that's... I like your answer better than mine. Oh, what? What? You gave a good answer. You gave more professional answer. I was all like, feelsies. no, 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 no. I think you said that very well. You know, passion is is a big thing. You know, if you're not living your life with passion and what you're doing, why do it? If you're not having fun, then what are yeah. we doing? Yeah, find something else. Find something else, y'all. Yeah. But that has been our show. Um, I'd like to thank special guest Donna Wilberg once again for coming on to the show. Thank you so much. If people wanted to get a hold of you or reach out to you, what is the best way for them to do that? I have um, a website. It's D-A-N-N-A Wilberg, Donna Wilberg uh-huh. at G- at, uh, dot com awesome yeah. all right and i'd like to say goodbye to everyone out there thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you guys later thank you d bye, bye. if you'd like your question asked on here email us at wwmpodcast at gmail.com follow and like on facebook at what's with millennials follow on instagram at wwm underscore show and send us a tweet at wwm show what's with millennials podcast <laughs>